really a selfless position. Uh, no fullback. It's, it's all dirty work. I mean, there's no real glory, and he's not really getting the ball in carries. And you know, not, I threw. It, I definitely throw it to him. Um, but being a lead blocker really sets the tone for uh, for the offense. It's a very valuable position, and uh, anyone that can create holes and that physical style toughness in the run game is really important for us. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 21 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. Fantasy Fullback Dive, of course, is the podcast that's going to pave the way for you to hoist your league's trophies, win your titles in 2018, and 2018 is going to be a nasty, fun fantasy season. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones, with me as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself on a stormy day. Yeah. How you doing, Wolf? I'm doing very fantastic. I mean, it's been a crazy day. There were schools canceled out uh, right near where I work. Unfortunately, we didn't even get a delay or anything, but <laughs> it was too hot according to uh, temperatures in Lowell and different places. So school's getting canceled. Uh, it means summer's in the air, though, which is the best time of the year. It means fantasy football is right around the corner when normal human beings, unlike ourselves, actually start caring about it. Uh, it it's that time of the year, and I'm super pumped to dive in tonight. Obviously, we got our all-in team pre-training camp. We know the pre-training camp is in the air, uh, and I'm ready to just go all-in on certain guys, and I know you you know who these guys are at this point because um, I just can't stop talking about them with you. But it's time to let the world know, going into training camp, who am I all-in on? So can't wait to go over that with the big guy. Yeah, that's the gist of the episode today, the Wolves all-in team. I'm going to tell you some of my all-in guys, too. A lot of times they intersect. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the Wolf does a lot of the heavy lifting for me, and then I'm able to decide what I think he's making <laughs> sense on and what I don't. Um, but, you know, the all-in team can mean two different things. It can mean the guys that are just such a bargain that you're going to put them on your team. It can also mean guys that you just have an unhealthy like crush on um, yep. and you just always load up with them. And I've been I've been the victim of that plenty of times. Usually that ends up being a victim scenario because yeah. that, that's like the, the girl uh, that you've been obsessed with since like elementary school. And then you finally you get a chance and you're you just you just go way too far to, to get her. Like you, you put too much of yourself out there. Uh, your heart gets put on the line and it gets stomped. Um, yeah. Not that I'm speaking from experience of any kind. <laughs> um, Do you have uh, some re- recurring nightmares you want to confess to the uh, FFBD pod right now? Uh, you know this this is going back a long way, but there there was this uh, girl I was just I just thought was so beautiful in like sixth and seventh grade, and then mm-hmm. like kind of never noticed me, and then I I sprouted and uh, you know became the devilishly handsome man minus like twenty years. Uh, that you see before you right now. And then eventually she was interested, and so we dated for a long time, and it ended up being pretty bad. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that, nice. that's, that's the nutshell story. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a real barn burner. No, it was act. there's a lot more to it than that. There was like, you know, three and a half, four years of a volatile relationship in there. Anyway, mm. anyway uh, yeah, we got tornado warnings going on right here. We're actually starting a little bit late. Um, this is how my wife and I handle emergencies like that. You know, we're uh, we're playing a circuit of Mario Kart with our daughter, 
and uh, and our son, and we get these tornado warnings buzzing in on our phones, and they're like, tornado warning right now, you got to get in the basement until 7.15, and it's like, you know, 6.15 or something, so, you know, you figure you're about to go through an hour of just outright danger. We both just kind of look at each other, and we go... Well, let's finish the circuit first. Of course. <laughs> so we, so we, I mean, we stayed up there and finished the circuit with our children for another fifteen. And uh, surprise, surprise, here we are, alive and uh, and healthy. Living for to the tell podcast. the tales. That's right. <laughs> Took my kids to Incredible Two, Incredibles Two yesterday. Such uh, a dad thing to do. It was a total dad thing to do. It was kind of uh, packaged as like that my Father's Day thing, but it was like actually like just for my children. But, oh, fantastic! But, yeah, but, no, but I it, exactly. it was great though. I mean, it was fantastic. It was really, really good. My kids enjoyed it. Uh, they were, had a great time. My son can sit through a two-hour movie, which is impressive. That, um, is, that is impressive. Yeah, no, I, I melted at the beach all day. Just uh, the most ruthless hangover I've had in probably two, three months. It was brutal. Oh, it's a horrendous day. It's good contrast to uh, the Incredibles. I just I couldn't even last an hour at the beach. Actually, I had to go home and retreat to the fetal position in my bed after just an hour of melting in the sun. Horrendous. Do you know that feeling? It's just like it doesn't go away. I'm still awful today. I, I was falling asleep in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Horrendous. Well, anyway, I'm glad you're back and at least you know 80 percent maybe of of the. Do worst. hangovers keep getting? I, I just need to ask it. Like, go ahead. They, they've gotten so much worse. As I've gotten older, do they just keep getting worse? You asking me this like because kind of, you asking me this because of the age discrepancy between? Of course, yeah. You got a solid ten years of hangover. How's, how's the ten year? How's the next ten years going to be treating you? Yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, pretty nervous. So <laughs> I would say this. I would say that maybe hangovers are a little worse now, but I but I get them less often. I mean, I yeah. you know, Part of that is like I'm not as much of a drunk as I was ten years ago. But yeah. So Very I mean, true. assuming like, you know, you end up doing the family thing, you might tone it down. You might not get as many, but the ones you get will be unpleasant. <laughs> that sounds horrible because I plan to just be the wolf forever. So I'm just going to be a hungover well, I mean, ball of and, shit. And, you know, and there's there's pros and cons to that. And, you know, <laughs> if you want to be the wolf forever, that's fine. We'll all hit it big in the podcast uh, industry and you might have some hellacious hangovers. Maybe we start our morning meetings at like 11 or 1130. Beautiful. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to get in on we got we got a bunch of stuff. We got glossary terms, we got stock profiles, and of course, the episode is going to be centered around the Wolves all-in team when we come back right after this. We are back. I know you guys have been waiting for this. You've been waiting for the stock tips. You get these stock tips from the Wolf you center your entire portfolio, which really is like centering your entire life around what the guy says. Um, you know, you're feeling pretty good. You're like, man, I'm going to get one of these a couple times a week or every week at the least. And then, you know, it's like three weeks and you don't get another stock tip. And obviously, you know, your life spirals out of control. But <laughs> I got some good news for you. We got a stock tip, the stock tip of the week from the wolf here in episode 21 right now. And it happens to be one. Some of the wolf stock tips you know, I, I buy into all of them, but some I buy into more than others. I really buy into this one. Like, I mean, this yeah. is this is getting to the point where it's almost like common knowledge, but it wasn't common knowledge when uh, we started preaching this, you know, years back. So uh, let's talk to us. What's your stock tip of the week? Yeah. And, and again, I love these stock tips, too, just because. Uh, you know, I'm going to miss on a fair share of players. Everyone does. But the tips and the philosophies, 
I still truly believe are, you know, the best ways to do fantasy football uh, when you take the stock market approach. And when you take a stock market approach, it, a law has to be waiting on a quarterback. Uh, and we're going to do a whole course on this over the summer. And it's going to be the, the focal point of considering the, the fantasy football world as a stock market. But when you think about quarterbacks, every one of the principles of a stock market apply to why you need to wait on it. The first thing is supply and demand. You got one starter. Uh, unless you're doing a two-quarterback league, I'm just going to preface this. This is a one-quarterback league. Two quarterbacks are obviously different when there's 24 starters out there other than 12. And it's also stupid, but go it's, ahead. it's stupid, too. Yeah, go I ahead. agree. Um, <laughs> definitely agree with that because there's not nearly enough uh, supply to fill out 24 good quality starters every week. So I'm not a fan of that. But when you're in a standard you know, one-quarterback league, there's only 12 guys starting and probably you know, no more than 24 guys taken at, at a given time. So this, uh, the demand is very low when you're only starting one guy. Uh, the supply is overflowing at this point because the leagues become so pass heavy. Uh, for a minimal demand, the f- the supply is just overflowing with talent. And you think about you know the opportunity cost. That's the part that people don't recognize. When you take Rodgers in round two or three, you take Tom Brady round four, it's the opportunity cost that's really costing you. Of course you know you're going to get great points out of Rodgers as long as he's on the field last year. I mean, probably. It's, yeah. not, it's not like a slam dunk. Probably. Not even a guarantee, right? You know, Brady's 40. Yeah, obviously, I think he's going to continue to dominate, but you got to put age in there. And then you look at last year. Let's talk about some of the top scorers in fantasy. Carson Wentz, round 12. Alex Smith was the QB5. Quarterback 22, even lower than that. Deshaun Watson was going to be a league winner. Undrafted, largely. Right. You know? So all these guys... There's just so many panning out year in and year out uh, that go late. So it's just, again, supply, demand, opportunity cost. You need to wait on a quarterback. There's just so many good ones. Load up on two, three even to make sure you hit a guy. Don't just take, you know, Tyrod Taylor in round 15 and call it a day and just hope for the best. Take Pat Mahomes, Tyrod Taylor, and Phillip Rivers. Balance it out with a floor guy like Rivers and a ceiling guy like Mahomes. That's fine, but don't get into the habit of ever drafting a quarterback early uh, because, again, opportunity cost, supply, demand. Let's just talk about this for a second because I'm 100% on board with this, and it always just, like, makes me laugh when I'm in a draft and I see people start snatching up quarterbacks in the second, third, fourth round because I'm just like, I'm I'm going to destroy these guys. Now, when the Wolf's talking about opportunity cost, I want to make sure that you guys at home understand what he's talking about because, simply put, if you take – some a quarterback, say Aaron Rodgers, in the second or third round. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? You don't get another second or third round pick. Whereas I'm picking a running back or a receiver, or whatever. It's like that's it. That's gone. And so you're going to get an advantage, you know, of a couple points a game. May, let's maybe even three, four, five points a game over the course of the season for the guy that I pick in like the ninth or the tenth or the eleventh or the twelfth round. Mm-hmm. And the point is, what he's saying is taking a guy ten rounds earlier. Is, is five points worth taking a guy 10 rounds earlier? And the answer in my book is almost always absolutely not. And, and again, I, I think that's a great point. I didn't really explain what I mean by opportunity cost. You're talking about running backs and receivers. Where you start two running backs and three receivers in most leagues, sometimes there's a flex worked in there too. The multiple starter positions, they thin out so much faster sure. than quarterback does. We talk about supply and demand. There's a way higher demand and a way thinner supply of running backs out there. So you need to build that stable early. Same with receivers. You're starting three of them. Every time you blow a second or third round pick on a much sure, uh, you know, on a quarterback rather than a much 
not sure running back receiver. Very rarely do you find those Alvin Kamaras. And, you know, we're going to give you all our penny yeah. stocks, and, and some of them will hit. We, we said Kamara last year, but those hit, you know, one out of every 10. You're throwing a dart. I mean, Whereas, if, I could, if I knew I could nail my 11th round, if I knew I could pick a running back in the 11th round and knew I'd only give up four or five points to the guy you took in the first or second round, shit, I would do it. But you can't. Course. But you can't because right. they're all gone. You're taking right. flyers on anybody at that point. I'm not taking a flyer on a quarterback in the 11th round. If I take Phillip Rivers in the 11th round, he's going to be like the ninth best quarterback in the league, and I'm going to have gotten exactly. him for nothing. Don't be stupid, exactly. people. Seriously. Right. The running back or, you know, the running back or receiver I take in round, late round two, let's say, you know, it's Jarek McKinnon, and I think he explodes and becomes Shanahan's next true featured workhorse. We're talking about all in team, little preview, all in on Jarek McKinnon. I, I think him. And, you know, Pat Mahomes in round 11, that is going to completely dominate Rodgers and whatever round 11 running back you end up taking. Maybe you hit on Naeem Hines, another all-in guy, and he ends up being this year's Kamara. Well, good for you. If you do that, then yes, you have Rodgers in him. But even then, I'd rather have Hines and whatever running back I could have had in round two than Aaron Rodgers. I still will always wait on a quarterback. It served me well. As soon as I started doing it five, six years ago, I got to shout out uh, JJ Zacharyson. He uh, has a website called Late Round Fantasy QB. And they did a study about how they all they did was pick a streamer every single week and played the best matchup possible. So at the time, it was like Cleveland Browns had a hapless, pathetic defense. And they just started literally who I was ever facing the Cleveland Browns or like one other pathetic defense. And they got like the QB six in terms of whoever it was. It was always a waiver wire guy every single time. Yeah, so try it was a guy doing that, was, that with a running back or a receiver. Exactly. Good luck. You'll get like the RB 45. Exactly. So you can get the QB six off the waiver wire every single week. That's what I'm talking about. You know, so wait on a quarterback, wait on a quarterback. If there's anything else we can tell you, wait on a quarterback. It's a locked in stock tip that you need to do. And this honestly, if someone's telling you different, like if you're hearing that on another podcast or or if you're hearing this like from any seriously, anybody else, like there's not many, very many things where I will just come right out and say like, you are wrong if you are yeah. saying this. I'm telling you that, like, if if you're hearing from anyone else, jump up and snag a quarterback early. You're wrong. Okay. Right. Like, I he- I'm 100 like I know I'm right about this. I know the Wolves right about this. Don't be stupid. That's a, one of the strongest stock tips you're ever gonna get. Absolutely. And the only exception I've ever made this year so far in mock drafts is if Watson falls to like late round five or early round six, that's not taking a quarterback. That, that's early. not reaching, though. That's not what that's we're talking not about. That's and that's a guy that's, you know, I'm taking him only because he could legitimately win leagues. You're taking I'm, him because of he's got a sick upside. And you're also assuming that you've already invested five picks in building up your receivers and your exactly. and your running backs. And then exactly. even so, you're still going to go for a blue chip guy uh, to back that guy up because you don't want to yeah. end up getting the rug pulled out from under you. But I don't consider that the same. Absolutely. 100% no. We're, yeah, we're full in agreement here. You need to wait on a quarterback. All right. You get your fantasy stock tip of the week. Now you're going to get your fantasy stock profile of the week. And this is actually you know an appropriate one because this is Pat Mahomes this is one of the Wolves guys. And this guy's also going to, you know, in the later segment in the podcast where we talk about the Wolves all-in team, Pat Mahomes is almost certainly going to be featured heavily in that. Stock tip, wait for a quarterback. One of the reasons that you can feel good waiting for a quarterback is because a guy like this might be hanging around in round 9, round 10, round 11. Who the hell knows when this guy is going to be around? Uh Quick disclaimer, warning, the more people that you're in a league with that listen to the Fantasy Fullback Dive... 
probably the more people are going to be interested in Pat Mahomes. And here's why. Here's the fantasy stock profile uh, as produced by the Wolf, which I'm going to read back and forth with him on for Pat Mahomes, quarterback, Kansas City Chiefs. Go ahead, Wolf. And as always, we're using the fantasy stock formula to run down this list. And we're going to start at the top with the most important thing, individual talent. And that's his strength. Got a cannon for his right arm. Mahomes slings the ball all over the field and possesses top five raw arm strength in the league. There's not a throw that this guy can't deliver. And he's doubly dangerous considering that Mahomes is also very mobile in and out of the pocket, giving him the escapability to extend plays and buy his explosive cast of weapons even more time to streak down the field. Can't wait to talk about those weapons in a second. But more so, Mahomes loses minimal velocity while he's on the move and or forced to throw from different angles. He can kind of move around and just sling the ball just right off his wrist from any angle, which is crazy. And he just uses this to crank him through tight windows and throw his wide receivers open. He's confident. He's competitive. He's fearless. Has a swagger that just kind of commands respect from his teammates. And he flashed all these traits in this one lone game of NFL action against Denver. A ballsy road win, uh, despite playing with nearly no starting weapons. Saw all that talent on display. I can't wait to see it in a full season. All right, but let's take a couple steps back because unless you're talking about Antonio Brown or something, they're not all strengths. There's going to be a couple weaknesses here and there. And on the negative side, Mahomes' big arm and assertiveness can get him into trouble at times. He has a little bit of a knack for forcing the big play. I mean, we love the big play in fantasy, but when you force the big play, sometimes you see poor decisions. That results in interceptions, turnovers, strip sacks, stuff like that. And this is certainly something to take into consideration when you're talking about Pat Mahomes. He entered the league raw in terms of pocket passing. He has to prove he's capable of finding his rhythm within Andy Reid's timing-based West Coast scheme. He certainly has the arm for it. Uh, Ideally, a year of riding the pine, learning under both Reid, arguably the best quarterback mentor in the game right now, and Alex Smith, who is the quarterback of Washington now. The consummate professional in his approach and, or professionalism in his approach, and the ball security on the field is going to quell these more mental-based concerns. The physical tools are all here. This is a special kind of dominance, potentially, for Pat Mahomes next year at quarterback. Yep, 25 out of 30 for talent score. Then we look at usage, and I give him a nice 23 out of 25. Reed's ranked in the top half of the league in pass attempts well over half of his season's calling plays. Moreover, he's going to maximize Mahomes' mobility, as he did with Donovan McNabb, and even Alex Smith on rollouts, RPOs, design QB runs. Even when his team is up, Reed's notorious for keeping his foot on the passing game uh, gas pedal, even to a fault sometimes. And Mahomes should log at least 35 or so attempts every week alongside five to eight weekly carries. Good creative usage in addition to a lot of it. So love where Randy Reed fits into that. Let's talk about surrounding talent. You can earn as many as 15 in this category, and Mahomes gets them all. I mean, we love the talent on the Chiefs. You guys have heard me talk up Tyreek Hill like crazy. Obviously, we are early in on Kareem Hunt. Uh, If healthy, the Chiefs are going to roll out arguably the most explosive attack in the entire league. Hear that again. Arguably the most explosive attack in the entire league. They're going to have Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill at wide receiver. And Sammy Watkins, I don't love Watkins, but we'll see. I mean, it's possibly he's going to blow up under this uh, you know, under this scheme. And as a wide receiver, too, I mean, the guy is definitely got to take him seriously. Travis Kelsey, let's not forget about tight end. I mean, he's, well, you know, at worst, what, the third best tight end in the league? Maybe better. Uh, he's going to be terrorizing the seams. Kareem Hunt, running back, rumbling out of the backfield. Uh, he is a rumbler, too. That guy's a hard runner. Even before acting, adding Watkins, Kansas City's pass catchers led the NFL with an average of nearly four yards of separation on their receptions. That's crazy. You give me Insane. four yards on, like, one of these guys, I might even win a race against them. And Watkins, <laughs> for all his durability and consistency woes, 
remains one of the top burners in the league. Mahomes has the weaponry to attack every layer of the field. His arm strength and mobility will ensure that he does just that. Expect this offense to be a complete juggernaut with Mahomes as the centerpiece engine and dominant fantasy producer. Coaching scheme, 10 out of 10. Another perfect score here. Because unlike his late game uh, late game play calling, Andy Reid's offensive genius cannot be questioned. In 19 years of calling plays, Reid's ranked in the top half of scoring 15 of those 19 times, including 11 top 10 finishes. The passing game has always been his offensive backbone, with Reid's West Coast offense recording top 10 passing yards and TDs nine different times. He regards one of the league's top QB developers as well. His West Coast scheme features high-percentage horizontal-based route concepts that ideally maximize yak opportunities and minimize turnovers. Yet, you talk about Mahomes and that cannon arm. Alex Smith last year led the NFL in deep yardage and deep passer rating in 2018. Uh, So that suggests that Reed's embracing more vertical concepts as well. Again, Mahomes cannon arm if he continues to work in those vertical based routes um, as well as those high percentage west coast offense just going to be an unbelievable scheme for Mahomes to flourish and dominate just as Alex Smith did last year. All right, let's talk about risk. 10, you can get in risk. And Mahomes, you know, there's risk there. We're not going to lie. It gets a 6 out of 10 in risk, and here's why. Despite the high grades in nearly every stock score category, Mahomes is not without risk. He entered the league raw, and while he appropriately rode the bench almost all last season, only time is going to tell if this was enough refinement to get the obviously great results that we're hoping for. There's a chance his 2017 flashes of greatness will remain just flashes. Mahomes could struggle for consistency, leaving this offense a powder keg that's never truly ignited. Ah, It hurts me to even read that. However, I expect the exact opposite. This is the Wolf's words, not mine, but I happen to agree with him. He's so naturally gifted, surrounded by incredible talent. Under the highest quality tutelage, I expect Mahomes only to continue ascending. This incredible situation combined with his leg points will facilitate enough weekly yards and scores to buoy out any multi-pick duds. He'll be a top 12 quarterback performer far more often than not. And upside, to balance out that, the risk might be 6 out of 10. The upside's 10 out of 10. Mahomes' situation's eerily similar to fellow sophomore signal caller Deshaun Watson. Eerily. Who was a, eerily, very eerily. Uh, he was a fantasy cheat code in his 2017 appearances, and both be, possess those incredible physical gifts. Mahomes has even more arm talent, in my opinion. Both have the mobility to buy time for their explosive surrounding casts. Both will be in pass-happy attacks that should put up oodles of points. Mahomes just should have plenty of contests above 25 to 30 fantasy points and rarely dip below 1920 considering the talent around him and the added leg points he'll gain as a runner just so much upside if everything pans out and I, and that's how I feel it's going to happen so total stock score we got 89 out of 100 nice b plus want to hit us with the bottom line that yeah the bottom line is with a cannon arm a stellar deep cast to sling to and a historically dominant play caller and quarterback guru all on his side Mahomes has the ingredients to be a genuine season winner in 2018. This is especially true considering this limitless ceiling comes at like a 10th round or higher price. Alex Smith was a top five quarterback in this setup last year. Alex Smith, seriously, come on. Mahomes has far more arm talent, and now he has Sammy Watkins at his disposal as well. So to me, that's a no-brainer. This offense is unstoppable on paper, and I know it's not the games aren't played on paper, but still, it's unstoppable mm-hmm. on paper. It counts for something. Mahomes is going to be the engine for this juggernaut. Even if he hits a few speed bumps in his development and decision-making, there's enough talent all around to keep the floor and ceiling both very high. You should be very comfortable. If we're looking at the Wolf's ceiling projection, 4,300 <laughs> pass yards, 400 rush yards, 35 total TV TDs, 5 rushing, 12 picks. Floor projection, 
Not bad. 3,900 passing yards, 250 rushing yards, 22 total touchdowns, two rushing, 16 picks. Still not bad for a guy you could snag that late. All right, we are back. After a lot of hype about the Wolves all-in team, we are almost there. Um, and by the way, you know, when we talk about the Wolves all-in team, we're talking about, you know, obviously we're going by his big board. We're going where where does the so-called experts rank these guys? Where's the Wolf rank them? Who is going to be a guy that is such a steal compared to where the experts have him that the Wolf's not going to pass up on him? And this is up-to-date stuff. This includes... Um, OTAs up to like a few days ago on the big board that's on the website. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's there's been a little bit of premature OTLA-lation uh, if you want to check <laughs> out. If you, wanna, if you want to check out the glossary, that's an actual term coined by yeah. the wolf, uh, <laughs> which refers to getting overly excited when you hear or see stuff in OTAs. The wolf's been guilty of that a few times. Of course. Um, sometimes he's right, though. I mean, sometimes, sometimes when you prematurely bust a nut, it's you know it was for the right reasons. And Todd Gurley last year catching a lot of passage and uh, passes and OTAs that was a jodelation all over the place, and it turned out to be right. Right. So, so. It, it's not like it's necessarily a bad thing, but that's all no. factored into these. The wolf's going to go down his. Basically, we're going to start at the very early rounds. Um, and obviously, the later on you go, the more guys you got that you would, you know, that you differ on with the experts that you can pick up. And then at the end, we're just going to give you a quick rundown. Who's the wolf going to have on his all in team? Again, Absolutely. this is not guys that that you're personally attached to from the past. Those are the ones that usually end up kind of being ball and chains. These are guys that based on where they're going to go or where you predict they're going to go in the drafts, you're just not going to pass up on. Or in this case, the wolf is not going to pass up on. All right, so we're going to get started. Let's talk early rounds. Let's talk about round two. In round one, I would say there's not enough spots, really, not enough difference where anybody could be deemed exactly. like just like a monster. I'm definitely going to get this guy. You can't really bank on getting any guy in round one. Right. Um, if anyone, it would be Saquon Barkley for me this year. You know, if he falls to that 9-10 range, I've seen him falling to. It's an insane seal. But other than that, you're right. It's it's round one. It's going to kind of unfold as it should. I'm higher on Dalvin Cook than a lot of experts. But, yes, you're exactly right on that one. All right. Well, let's go to round two because I know there's at least one guy that is going to be a guy you're all in on. And you could probably yep. snag him in the second round pretty easily. And oftentimes he's going round three right now, too, right. which I, was I expect, you know, the more and more ojulation I hear about this guy, he's catching passes every practice, burning by linebackers, just a complete usage hog, as expected, as we've been talking about, as he's been 13th overall on my big board for so long, that's Jarek McKinnon. Any longtime listener knows I'm all in on Jarek McKinnon this year. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, just an absolute workhorse breeder. I think it's four out of his last five backs have finished in the top 15, uh, and just in Sandy because of a high, and that's Carlos Hyde last year, an ill fit for the system. I mean, McKinnon was handpicked fourth highest paid running back in the league because he fit this scheme so well. Shannon said he was my highest grade free agent. Absolutely awesome. And he's going to just pure workhorse in an ascending offense. Love him. All right. McKinnon seems like a guy. I would take him even above. And I, and I would take him, I don't know what your thoughts are, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, and A.J. Green. I'm taking McKinnon ahead of them. Those are three, you know, sturdy wide receiver ones. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think you're crazy. I mean, I got to say all three of those guys, I, I, I'm not excited about picking any of them. Mm-hmm. And I would be potentially excited about McKinnon. The one thing I would say is that, as you alluded to before, I wouldn't be surprised, depending on who you're drafting with, if you could snag McKinnon in the third round. So the question exactly. is, the question is, like, how – 
you know, how, how low do you go? How much do you gamble? Because, man, you snag someone like that in the third round instead of the second. Whew, I mean, that's that's got to that's got to be some premature, uh, you know. Right. And, and that's where the risk comes in too, Naz. Like you're staring at the back end of round two and you're like, I really love McKinnon. Do I just pass him up in hopes that he squeals around? Because I know Keenan Allen won't find his way right. back. I could grab A.J. Green oh. and then just kind of have him in my pocket and then get McKinnon that's- in the third. And that's when you start having like, you know, you start – Picturing yourself, uh, you know, hoisting the trophy. Right, you know. exactly. I know. Or you have the fantasy nightmares because you don't take McKinnon and he goes, you know, right before your pick and ends up having that 1,700 yard fee. Those are the worst, those nightmare decisions where you're like, right. do I let this guy try to slide to me? Oftentimes I regret it, but oftentimes it's the best. Right. All right, let's talk round three. There's one guy specifically that you're way higher on than the experts, and I know you feel very confident oh, taking yeah. him with your third pick if you get the opportunity. Yeah, Josh Gordon. I mean, have you seen any of these latest pictures of this guy? It's an absolute freak. Yeah, he looks like he's on steroids. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, so, I mean, every, everything just seems like he's working his ass off this offseason. A lot better than hanging out with Johnny Manziel as the offseasons in the past often went. So his head's on his shoulders, it seems, which is really the only question I've ever had with Gordon. It's never been the ability. Uh, and it's always been outside of his, you know, last year Deshaun Kaiser sailing pass after pass over his head. Now he finally gets Tyrod Taylor, who I think is very underappreciated, you know, real life fantasy wise, whatever way you want to put it. I think Tyrod Taylor can spin a great deep ball. He can buy time in the pocket. I mean, if you can do those two things and Josh Gordon's on the outside, he's going to be hitting him bomb after bomb. This guy's a freak show. I know Landry's there, but honestly, they play such different games. I can see both of those guys having massive, potentially even both a thousand yard seasons uh, out of Gordon and Landry. Gordon's just the all around target hog that Todd Haley loves. Uh, Todd Haley, again, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, Antonio Brown, obviously two elite talents, but he certainly you know knew how to milk them. So love Josh Gordon, absolutely all in on him. That round three, take him all day. Uh, round four, and I mean Gordon's another guy you could potentially see slipping around. I would be more scared to let him go to the fourth than I would McKinnon go to the third because Gordon's an established name, even though it's been a while since his his heyday. Um, a lot of people would see you pick McKinnon and just be like, wow, you're an idiot. But there's there's going to be people, even guys that aren't as knowledgeable, that are going to see Josh Gordon's name and are going to have him line up, lined up earlier than you would like. So right. I, I like snagging Gordon in the third if you could. We go to round four. There's two guys that you like. Uh, one I really agree with you on and one I'm not so sure. So why don't you tell us who you got in round four? So round four, it's and this based it on my earlier uh, picks is Juju Smith and J Train and Jai. Uh, either one of those guys, again, roster composition at that point of the draft plays a lot into that round four at this point. Juju, I gotta love just because Martavis Bryant's been removed when he was out of the lineup last year. Even when AB a- was in there, Juju dominated. He had 32% of the the volume go his way in those weeks, and I believe was the wide receiver eight over those That's those correct. weeks. And this, again, it was as a rookie. So him and Big Ben's passer rating, there was no higher combo in the league. Just so much to love about the advanced analytics that go with Juju, plus just what you see on tape is an absolute baller about to see more volume. Love that. I also love J-Train more so the situation. I'm, yes, I like J-Train as a talent. He can be a steamroller at times, but it's his situation. They removed LeGarrette Blunt, the only competition he really had for that early down back role. Uh, Deuce Staley, the running back coach, has come out and said, we're ready to 
feed J train. He's, he's been in the year, you know, the system for a year. He's got it down. Uh, we're ready to unleash him. And I know he's ready to be unleashed. He's still going to lose the passing down work to Clement and, and Sproles. I get that, but you're still looking at 250 or so touches in the most explosive offense in the league last year outside of the Rams. So love the value that you can get on J train. I think everything that you thought you were going to get last year, uh, you're going to start getting this year. So I think a ton of touchdown upside there for him. I don't love Jay Ayaji as much as you do, but I will say that I think he's undervalued. And so if you could snag him end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth, something like that, I don't think that's crazy um, for a guy that's, you know, potentially the number one back on a great offense. So I don't think you're nuts. Juju, I love. Um, Nice. Let's talk middle rounds. I'm going to hit you with the name and you're just going to give me your 30 second or 45 second pitch on why these guys, uh, why do you think, you know, why they're undervalued? Maybe how much they're two groups now the way i've kind of grouped them here okay. is like in those middle rounds you know six through eight or nine there's just like always this group of receivers and this group of i call them the unsexy running backs sure. that i always go after so i think it might make sense rather to go you know rapid fire name by name just a quick like two minutes on the groups you know okay wide receiver threes all right well then let's talk about the wide receivers you've got Corey yeah. davis will fuller and you got marquise goodwin and you're going to talk about like two of these guys coming out of this particular tier uh, you could you could see using in your wide receiver three spot. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying is at this point I've already got my top two receivers. We're talking around six through, you know, seven, eight, nine, hey, ten. You might have so. Gordon and Juju. I might even have three. Yeah, exactly. Gordon, Juju. I might have three receivers at this point, but I still love these six through eighth round receivers, Davis, Fuller, and Goodwin uh, for my wide receiver three spot. If I take two of those guys, that means one's on my bench, the other's in the starting lineup. I guarantee you one of those, uh, you know, two of those three guys I think really pans out and is a solid wide receiver three, if not all of them. Corey Davis, I love the LaFleur effect effect that's going to go on there. The new offensive coordinator comes over from the Rams where they led the league in points last year, the year before. He's with the Falcons, led the league in points there. The guy knows what explosive offenses take. I think he can squeeze the best out of Mariota. He's known to to work really well with quarterbacks. Uh, And that's obviously good news for Corey Davis, who's the clear alpha target hog there. Infinite potential. He was hurt all last year, but the guy can make all the plays. As a Patriots fan, you saw it in the playoff game. So love Corey Davis. Love what he brings to the table for the Titans. He's the most alpha kind of number one receiver potential on this list. But Will Fuller, I probably like even more, even if he's obviously going to be behind DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best in the game. You know how crazy Will Fuller's scoring streak was last year. And as you know, everyone will say that's fluky. And of course, you know, seven TDs on like nine catches or whatever insane rate it was is a little bit, you know, fluky. Yet his speed is so fucking real. And everything in OTAs right now is the guys blowing past D-backs. He's fully healthy. They're hooking up just as they open always did all last year uh the, the coaches has come out and said he's going to obviously have a huge role for us we just need him to stay healthy and that's the key with him obviously he's got huge injury concerns after missing time uh both a rookie and sophomore year but man he's got all the explosive potential in the world i think he's a huge talent and obviously watson's a cheat code so if those two are on the field together it's it's great news and goodwin crushed it with jimmy g uh I, you know a lot of people saying it's pierre garçon's job to lose but i think goodwin brings a lot more to the table and he already has the established rapport so for Right now, I see you know three potential blow-up receivers that go in the mid rounds. Love picking two of those guys, and, and I'm very confident you know I'll get at least one of them to be a solid wide receiver three. All right, let's talk about some running backs that if you saw them in a bar, you would be like, eh. you know, where these these guys are on the sex the sex appeal it yeah. is not exactly off the charts for any of these guys. Um, we're talking about Rex Burkhead, Chris Thompson, C.J. Anderson. Just a group of, you know, 
no, nobody to get excited about unless <laughs> unless you can get them for a real bargain, which these guys might fall into that category. So talk to me about this group of unsexy running backs. And again, I think it's what you're alluding to at the bar there. They might not be the ones you first look at and you're so, I got to go get on that. That girl. No, but once someone uh, takes like Kamara home or something, all of a sudden you're like, ah, CJ. You know, yeah, Sony Michelle's getting all the attention. But Rex Burkhead right next door, you, you know, you, you let this sexy little flashy toy kind of misguide you from what really had some sexy upside right next to it. And that's Rex Burkhead. Uh, the guy is in a great spot. He's the most established of the, the Patriots backs at this point in the back field uh, backfield that scored the second most fantasy running back points for the last two seasons straight this is the most established guy and early reports right now are Sony Michelle has slow legs he's picking up the offense slowly it's a very complex scheme that makes sense it's OTAs I get it but Burke had the, the coach has already said we haven't even seen the best out of him the running backs coach saying we can't wait to use him more and more now that there's uh, more opportunity there there's a there's a chance he is the guy that leads this backfield and carries. He obviously was a touchdown machine last year, so I, I really like what he brings to the table, especially with Deion Lewis now removed. I think that's you know, a guy that you might not look at and say, oh, you know, he's bald, he's white, he's another. You know, there's nothing initially sexy about what he Britt looks at, but at the bar, you know, that's the kind of one you see. That's a nice seven. You bring them home and they produce way better than you even expected. Was a seven, you know, initial glance, nine in, in the sheets once you got it done. I think Burkhead kind of brings that to the table. And the, all these guys are kind of the same way. You know, Chris Thompson was the RB12 last year in standard oh, yeah. leagues. Oh, he's just, a, he's just a PPR guy. No, he was the RB12. He was the number one running back in standard leagues, the RB10 in PPR. Yeah, the guy gets it done. You know, he's obviously Geis is there now. So there's going to be less volume for Thompson, especially on those early downs. But he's still going to be the passing down guy. Jay Green continues to talk last year. The way he ran the ball, uh, you know, and when he got in the screen game and got in space, just read his blocks so well. Florida State guy, I really trust how they produce their running backs there. Uh, I love Thompson. And CJ Anderson, I don't know. Do you so have any. Unsexy. Yeah. So, so unsexy. So unsexy. So unsexy. McCaffrey going, you know, 30, you know, he's going, I think, you know, 19th or so overall. And Anderson's fallen all the way to like 98th. So, That's I mean, crazy. they're going. That's crazy. They're going a whole eight or so rounds later. And historically, North Turner's always had a big power back involved. And McCaffrey just doesn't fit that build. North Turner loves to pound the middle to, you know, really soften up the defense for his big vertical Don Air, Don, Don, um, you know, Air Coriel attack where they just stretch the field vertically. He loves to have a power back that softens up the front and makes the, the safeties kind of sink in. That's C.J. Anderson's role. He's kind of the souped-up Jonathan Stewart, uh, you know, even more souped-up, you know, Mike Tolbert, who Turner had in so many years, have absolute beastly seasons back-to-back, -back, over 900 yards and double-digit TDs. You're telling me if Mike Tolbert can't do that? Uh, and that was with LaDainian Tomlinson on the roster. We're talking about, you know, C.J. Anderson and McCaffrey. Obviously, McCaffrey's going to get the receptions. I would rather have McCaffrey. But I think the, the discrepancy between those two is enormous in terms of fantasy price and I don't think at the end of the season the points are going to be all that different so those three unsexy running yeah. backs I just you know love loading up on one two maybe even three if they all keep falling great way to round out a bench yeah McCaffrey in my opinion uh overrated or at least overvalued right Over now and Anderson Anderson yeah. underpriced clearly I mean they're going to be I don't think they're going to be far apart either and so 80 70 80 spots different on that drafting board that's nuts do you like Anderson as a talent? Like, do you, what do you think about him? I think he's unsexy. I mean, I think he's all right. Like, you know, I mean, I, he, he's not the worst. 
He's not the yeah. best. He's not even close to the best. Um, I've always had a thing. I'll admit it. Like from the MJD days, I just love like short, squatty running backs that are built kind of like a bowling ball and run like a bowling ball would be. Like that's that's the CJ Anderson I mean, feel. So I'm, you know, he's like a little pinball that just rolls around and steamrolls people. I, I, mean, I just have a soft spot for those. Type I, of I guys. don't. Maybe I don't feel the way about him. You do. I will just say that CJ Anderson, big reason I won my league last year. I mean, people you picked him up the waiver. I late, picked right? him up off waivers. I started him in the. Uh, I think the last two games, and, and the guy scored. Me tons of points and won. Yes, I mean everyone else gave up on him, and I was just like, I gotta take this guy. He's just sitting there on waivers. He's the number running. one running back on a, you know, on a NFL team, and so yeah. you know maybe I should maybe I should respect him a little more than I do. I do think he's underpriced. Um, let's talk late rounds, and I am going to do these at you rapid fire, um, okay, like I was going to do. Um, and the first one, you know, hardly even needs an introduction. Pat Mahomes. Nope. Hey, sell, sell us on Pat Mahomes, Wolf. We haven't talked yeah. about him very much on this show. <laughs> no, those five to ten minutes on Mahomes earlier weren't enough. The guy's a big armed signal caller with a great deep cast around him and an awesome play caller. Mahomes is going to slay. He's going to be a cheat code this year for his price. Cameron Meredith. Uh, just an absolute beast of a talent, six three, fast feet. You know, Marquise Colston type mold. Now going to the Saints and playing with Drew Brees, got it done with you know uh, what the hell is the guy's name? Mike Glennon, not even. It was uh, uh, rapid fire got thrown off the uh, UCLA quarterback. What's that guy's name? Matt Barkley got it done with Barkley. Uh, you know, had twenty five. I'm pretty sure Barkley was a USC guy. USC, that's it. Yeah, I know. I mixed it up. Um, but Cam Meredith got it done uh, with that type of garbage thrown to him. You tell him he can't get it done in Sean Payton's creative scheme with Drew Brees throwing him the rock. Love Cam Meredith. Mitch Trubisky. Got a great cast of weapons here with Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel. They drafted Anthony Miller, who they're comparing to Antonio Brown right now at the gates, the way he's breaking in and out of his routes. So, I mean, huge hype. They also get Trey Burton, an athletic freak, to play the Travis Kelsey U role. And, again, Matt Nagy, one of my favorite coaches. We'll have a huge breakdown on him coming up. But I love the move Nagy's going to bring there. It's kind of like eerily parallels the the Rams of last year. Great coach comes in, adds a ton of talent around him, um, and just explodes with Jared Goff taking that step. I think it's Trubisky this year. Last but not least, the guy that got us a few thousand views on YouTube, Naheem Hines. Ah, uh, favorite of mine now, uh, not just because of the views, but because of how he's being used in early camp right now. Uh, just moving all over the place, according to the reports. Kind of a, a lot of people projecting him to be the Alvin Kamara in that type of backfield as this explosive rookie that very slippery with underrated power. Just a lot of parallels being drawn. Obviously, that seems aggressive, uh, but the, the usage is there. Luck is throwing the ball again. And he's historically loved targeting running backs in the passing game. So Hines, I think, could really make an impact there in an otherwise ugly backfield. So you, I mean, just to recap here, I mean, if you were to draft these guys, you could end up with Mahomes and Trubisky at quarterback. I mean, you maybe like a blue chipper in there um, to, to give you a little bit of a Still solid a floor. Rivers. But yeah, you could write Rivers is always the guy we go to in that situation. Love we'll take him. those two guys. I mean, at running back, you could end up with McKinnon, maybe Jay Ajayi. Um, and then, you you know, your choice of maybe Burkhead, Thompson, C.J. Anderson, maybe Naheem Hines, you get laid as a steal. Um, and then receivers, you're looking at uh, Josh Gordon, Juju, uh, maybe a couple of Corey Davis, Will Fuller, and Marquise Goodwin. And, and, you know, maybe you get a Cam Meredith in there as well. That's a pretty nasty team. That's not even counting your first round pick. And exactly. Um, which, you know, it'll be any, you know, that could be. You know, that could be Antonio Brown. That, that could be uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Right. I don't know. It could be anybody like that. So um, that, that's not a bad squad, man. 
I would roll that out any day of the week. So much upside to a team like that. And then you still got, you know, another five, six rounds to load up on some penny stocks and floor plays. So it's a great time to be drafting. I'll tell you it that. Is, it's, it's a great, great time to be alive. <laughs> exactly. Huge. All right. That's going to do it for episode number 21, the Wolves All-In Team. Uh, not to mention a little bonus stock tip, a little bonus stock profile for Pat Mahomes. Um, mm-hmm. If it seems like we're blowing a little smoke off Pat Mahomes is uh, up his ass, you're right. Um, not actually, it's not a little. It's yeah. it's, a, it's a lot. It's like yeah. you know a, a, a ton of smoke. Though. Right? Uh, you his, know his that ass is filled with RSJ smoke. That was Tyree Kill and David Johnson the two years before him. So so far we've kind of nailed those ones out of the park. Right. So um, deal with it. Yeah. Anyway, we, we, you know, and we'll look forward to hearing your tweets if we're wrong. But uh, I want I want some tweets if we're right as well, uh, talking mm-hmm. about how RSJ is the heat. Anyway, um, you got any social media you want to say before we take off? Of course. If you're just a listener, make sure you check out our website, rotostreetjournal.com. Uh, tons of great stuff on there. We're updating the site daily with news and, and everything right now. Got a great coaching series going on. So check all that out. We're going to have our team previews coming up on the pod as well. So if there's a team you really want to hear about, let us know. We're going to obviously accommodate the uh, newer teams right now to break down the new coordinators, uh, new talents, all that stuff. But ultimately, we'd, we'd love to get to every team that we possibly can. So let us know if you got any requests. You can hit me up to do so at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter or Snapchat. Our main pages are Roto Street Journal on Facebook, which would be the biggest, I'd say, to follow us. we got a lot of live broadcasts coming this summer. Uh, a lot of, you know, answer, you know, mailbag type of shows to get all your questions answered. So Facebook would be a great spot to find us. Instagram as well. Uh, we're really trying to start pump out some fresh content there. Roto Street Journal and Roto ST Journal on Twitter and Snapchat. A lot of stuff to follow there. Uh, hopefully you got it all down because we're always doing great stuff here and it's only getting started for the summer. Got it. All right, my name's Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. See you guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.